Welcome to the Central Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where we bring you inspiring messages of faith and hope. Today, we are excited to feature a sermon titled, The Sweetness of Forgiveness, How God's Grace Transforms Our Lives, delivered by Pastor Adam Burton of Central Baptist Church in Maysville, Kentucky. In this message, Pastor Adam explores the beauty and power of God's forgiveness and how it can transform our lives in ways we never imagined. So sit back, relax, and let this message uplift your spirit and inspire your soul. Oh, what a special day it has already been, I tell you. Landon's testimony was a, a sermon in and of it to itself, and I don't know, we'll see if the, you know, he has a long and successful baseball career, but uh, uh, maybe God's got something else in store for Landon as well. But, uh, man, it touched, touched my heart uh, to see transformation in someone's life. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Hopefully, if uh, during the announcements, we, if you got one of the communion cups, uh, um, keep that at bay. We'll, we'll take a, go through that here later on. But if you did not get one, please, you know, uh, indicate and we'll make sure that you, uh, that, that you get one of, of those. Well, John had always been fascinated with the idea of survival. He spent years honing his skills and learning how to, to forage for, for food, to build shelter, and to start a fire from scratch. So when John found himself stranded in the wilderness, miles away from civilization, he, he felt confident that he could survive. But as the days went by, John began to realize just how difficult survival was. He quickly ran out of food and water, and his makeshift shelter barely protected him from the harsh elements. He felt lonely and isolated, and he longed for the comforts of home But despite his challenges, John remained determined to survive. He spent hours each day scouring the wilderness for food and water. He he learned to identify edible plants and berries, and he hunted small game with a homemade bow and arrow. As time went on, John's survival skills improved, and he began to feel more confident in his ability to meet his fundamental human needs. He started to appreciate the the simple joys of life, like a warm fire on a cool night or a cold drink of water on a hot day. But one day as John was gathering firewood, he stumbled upon a a small stream and, and he drank eagerly from it, savoring the cool, refreshing water. And it was in that moment that he realized the true value of his quest for survival. Not just to stay alive, but to discover and appreciate the basic necessities of life. John continued to live in the wilderness for many months, always pushing himself to be more self-sufficient and resilient. And when he was finally rescued and returned home, he found that he had a newfound appreciation for the little things in life and a deep understanding of the essential needs that all humans share. What are your basic needs? Have you ever heard of Abraham Maslow? He was an American psychologist who had some fascinating insights on on what makes us tick as human beings. Maslow came up with a theory called the hierarchy of needs. 
which suggests that we have five different levels that we must fulfill in order to, 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 to reach our full potential starting with most basic needs such as food and shelter. We progress to the higher needs like safety, love, belonging, esteem, and and finally this self-actualization. Maslow believed that we must satisfy our basic needs first before we can move on to achieve personal growth and, and fulfillment in life. And examining Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we realize, though, that one essential need is missing from his pyramid, and a need that, to be honest, is often overlooked in our daily lives. Yet it holds immense importance, not just for our time here on earth, but also for the life to come. The author of Hebrews explains in chapter 9, verse 27, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. In life, we often get second chances to redeem ourselves. There's always next year if your basketball team loses in the tournament. You can make up your grade on a failed test by studying harder for the next one. Even preachers get another Sunday when they whiff on a sermon. But what if our time on earth was suddenly cut short? Would it matter if we missed a a layup or failed that test? The answer is no. Because we will not be judged based on our worldly accomplishments or our intellectual abilities. The psalmist writes in Psalm 96, verse 3, it says, Before the Lord he comes, for he comes to judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. See, it is the Lord who judges the world in righteousness. And this poses a serious problem for us. For as Romans chapter 3 states, it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. So if no one is righteous, well, then it means that all of us are guilty of breaking God's law and the penalty for that is eternal death in hell. As Romans chapter 6, verse 23 tells us that for the wages of sin is death. Many of us take precautions to keep ourselves alive. You you try to eat healthy. You stay active in taking care of our bodies and avoiding unnecessary risks. But oftentimes we forget about our eternal fate. Jesus reminds us in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, and do not fear those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. It's important to understand that our greatest need is not food, shelter, or our feelings. Our greatest need is a way to escape the wrath of God who punishes sinners by destroying both soul and body into hell. To make matters worse, we cannot escape this punishment through hard work or doing good or even trying to bribe our way out of it. But there's hope, dear friends. Our greatest need is forgiveness. And it is through God's grace and mercy that we can receive it. 
The title of today's sermon is The Sweetness of Forgiveness, How God's Grace Transforms Our Lives. We will see that God's forgiveness is a sweet and transformative gift that we receive through his mercy and grace, and it should inspire us to live a life of worship and obedience. God's forgiveness is a sweet and transformative gift that we receive through his mercy and grace, and it should inspire us to live a life of worship and obedience. But in order to experience forgiveness, we must first grasp the depth of our sin. The depth of our sin. Let's talk about sin. It's something that everybody does, but it seems that we're uncomfortable discussing it. Many times we tend to approach it in one of two ways. Firstly, we compare ourselves to others to kind of determine the level of our goodness or our, our badness. We'll say things like, well, I'm not as bad as that person, but I'm not really as good as this person. But this is the wrong approach. See, our standard is, is not any other human being, but it is Jesus Christ. As it's written in 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, but he committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. Secondly, we tend to, to minimize sin. We say, well, everybody does it, so what's the point of, of talking about it? It's, we're all equal sinners. But Paul says in Romans chapter 1, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Friends, we must not overlook sin, but we must confront it head on. And only then can we grasp the sweetness of forgiveness. As we confront the depth of our sin, we may feel overwhelmed and and burdened by the weight of our wrongdoing. But in the midst of our brokenness, We can find hope and comfort in the mercy and the grace of God. For even though we are undeserving, God's love and forgiveness are freely offered to us through Jesus Christ. And so let us turn our hearts in mercy and grace of God. May we find rest only in his loving arms. That brings us to the second point, the mercy and grace of God. The mercy and grace of God. Friends, oh, the mercy and grace of God is truly amazing. Through his goodness, he offers us forgiveness, even though we are undeserving of it. In Ephesians chapter 2, we are reminded that our salvation is not a result of our own works, but it is a gift from God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. When we give a gift to someone, it typically is something that we we purchased with our own money or something that we you know make with our own hands. The gift is something that we're offering to the recipient out of our own kindness and generosity. It's not something they 
deserve. But similarly, when we talk about God's mercy and grace, we can think of it as a gift that he is offering us. It's a gift that we don't deserve, but it's freely given to us out of God's own goodness and love. But think about the cost of a gift. When we give a gift, there's usually a cost associated with it. It could be a monetary cost in purchasing the gift or the time and effort in order to make it. In the case of God's mercy and grace, there was a great cost involved. Our sins have separated us from God and we cannot pay for them on our own. Oh no, it took the sacrifice of God's own son, Jesus Christ, to pay the cost for our sins, to make it possible for us to receive forgiveness. And as sinners, we are in a state of misery and distress, but God's mercy and grace reached down to us, offering us hope and redemption. So as we reflect on the gift of God's mercy and grace, let us always remember the great cost that was paid for it. It's a gift that we receive freely, but it cost God everything. So let us receive that gift with humble, with grateful hearts, knowing that it was offered to us out of God's deep, deep love for us. And as we receive this gift of mercy and grace, we can't help but be transformed by its power, which brings us to the next point, the transformative power of the gospel, the transformative power of the gospel. When we talk about the, the transformative power of the gospel, it's easy to get, get caught up in, in the idea of, of being a better person. But the truth is, that the gospel is not about self-improvement. It's about becoming a new creation in Christ. When we, we give our lives to him, we are made new. The old is gone, the new has come. But what does that really mean? Well, it means that we have been given a new identity. When Land was up there, I said, not only my friend, but now my brother in Christ. We are united into the family of God. And that's why baptism is so important. See, baptism is an amazing picture of the transforming power of the gospel. It symbolizes a new life, and it is a public declaration of our faith in him. And when we are baptized, we are identifying ourselves with Christ's death and his resurrection. The old person is buried under the water, and when they come out, they are presented as a new person, raised to walk in the newness of life. Baptism is a powerful, it's a powerful symbol of the change that takes place in a person's life when they receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. It's a symbol of the, the washing away of our sins and the start of a new life in Christ. Just as water cleanses our body, baptism represents the spiritual cleansing 
that takes place when we turn away from our sins and turn to Christ. See, baptism is the beginning of a lifelong journey of following Jesus. It's a reminder of our commitment to Christ, and it's a living a life that honors Him. As we go through life, we're going to face trials and temptations. And when you're down that road, our baptism reminds us that we have a new identity in Christ and that we have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to live a life that pleases Him. Oh, we are no longer defined by our past mistakes or our current struggles. Oh, no, we are defined by our relationship with Jesus. And that relationship is transformative. It changes us from the inside out. It's not just about trying to be a better person. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and produce His fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The best taste and fruit that is out there. The fruits of the Spirit. These are the signs of a life transformed by the gospel. You know, it's easy, though, for us as good church-going folks to, to focus on producing spiritual fruit rather than surrendering ourselves to the Holy Spirit. I mean, all of us, we, we want to be kinder. We want to be more patient and more loving, but we forget that, that these aren't our fruits. It's the fruit of the Spirit. We cannot produce them on on our own, no matter how hard we try. This is why surrendering to the Holy Spirit is so essential. For when we surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit, we invite Him to work in and through us, transforming us from the inside out. We allow Him to produce His fruits in our own lives. But the problem is that many of us are scared to surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We're afraid of what He might ask us to do or where He might lead us. To be honest, we're afraid of losing control. So I encourage you today. I encourage you to to let go of control and surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to transform you from the inside out and to produce His fruit in your life. And when you do that, I promise you that you will not regret it. As we continue to experience the transformative power of the gospel, we are reminded of the beauty of God's forgiveness. Oh, let's... Explore this further in our next point here, the beauty of God's forgiveness. Psalm 34, verse 8, invites us to see, to taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, honey is a powerful symbol of God's goodness and provision throughout the Bible. It represents the nourishment and the sweetness of his word and the wisdom that he provides us. And when we experience God's forgiveness, it brings us true joy, 
comfort and satisfaction. As Christians, we should be the most joyful and most content people on the planet. But but do we really reflect that? Some of the most joyful people I know are believers. Oh, you can see it in how they walk and how they talk and, and what their interests are. But, but also others, believers, seem to be plagued with worry and discontentment. What is it that sets them apart? Well, perhaps it's a matter of remembering the beauty of God's forgiveness and allowing it to transform us from the inside out. And when people find out that you're a pastor, you, you get into some interesting conversations. And well, I had one of those this past week. Uh, I was talking to a lovely lady in the community and, and she told me that she liked that old church music. And I said, well, me too. I'm going to be honest, I didn't know what kind of old church music she was talking about. It could have been an old Gregorian chant or something Beethoven or something entirely different. I just love old church music. You know, even though my, my kids now, I'm at that age where the music that I like grew up with, they consider me old. <laughs> This lady, she specifies, she said, I love old Southern gospel music. She even mentioned that she went to see the, the Gaithers in concert one time, and, and I couldn't help but agree with her. One of the best concerts I've ever been to is the Gaithers. You see, when we encounter the beauty of God's forgiveness, we should be overflowing with joy in all aspects of our worship. Whether it's an age-old hymn or a new contemporary 7-11 praise song, our focus should always be on the glory of God. However, when we start complaining about certain styles of worship music, it reveals a deeper issue. Maybe we have misplaced our worship. Instead of giving our attention to the almighty God who deserves all of our praise and worship, we become preoccupied with personal preferences, which the Bible tells us is a form of idolatry. Oh, we must repent of this sin and recenter our focus on the beauty of God and his forgiveness. Friends, worship isn't just limited to what we do inside of these church walls. It's not just about singing hymns or lifting up our hands in praise. Oh, no, we are called to worship the Lord in everything we do, whether we are at work or hanging out with our friends or even when we're alone and think that nobody's watching. Every moment of our lives is an opportunity to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. And when we do this, oh, when we do this, we demonstrate our love for him and it shows uh, that we desire to obey his commands. It's easy to forget this truth, to fall into the trap of compartmentalizing our faith. Maybe we have a great time worshiping on Sunday, but then we forget about God throughout during the week. But God desires a relationship with us 
that extends beyond just a few hours on a Sunday. Oh no, he wants to be involved in every aspect of our lives. And when we can demonstrate our love for him by worshiping him in all that we do. So as we reflect on the beauty of God's forgiveness, it leads us to consider how should we respond to such an incredible gift? Which brings us to our last point, our response to God's forgiveness. Do you wake up every morning wondering what you can do to please God? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 reminds us that offering ourselves as a living sacrifice is true and proper worship. It's our response to God's forgiveness. Imagine a husband that loves his wife deeply and desires to please her in every way possible. And he wakes up and he asks her the question, what can I do to make my wife happy today? For he knows that his wife's happiness brings joy to his heart and it strengthens their relationship. He listens to her needs, meets her desires, and constantly seeks to improve their relationship. Now let's apply that to our relationship with God. When we wake up in the morning, do we ask God, what can I do to please you today? Do we know that our obedience in worship brings joy to his heart and it strengthens our relationship with him? Oh, our response to God's forgiveness should be one of gratitude and obedience. And we should seek to please him in every single way possible, just like a husband seeks to please his wife. Well, let's be honest. It's not always easy to live a life of gratitude and obedience, is it? We all have our struggles. We all have our weaknesses and our sins. But God's mercy is greater than our shortcomings. He gave us the ultimate gift of forgiveness by sacrificing his own son, and we can never, ever repay him. But we can offer ourselves in return. So what action do you need to take today? to live a life that's pleasing to Him. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. We hope that this message has inspired you and filled your heart with hope and joy. Check back each week for another inspiring message from Pastor Adam Burton. For more information about our church and upcoming events, please visit our website at cbcmaysville.com or follow us on social media at cbcmaysville. Thank you again for listening, and God bless you.